Hello everybody and a very warm welcome back to the latest episode of the Vana Community Podcast. What you're about to hear is an interview with Wallace Graham from Continued Sound and myself Nadine from Soul Disco. We are discussing Wallace's first release on his new label Continued Sound, The Soul of New Jersey. Hello, everybody, and a very warm welcome back. Today, I have a special guest, and I feel so honored to have him here. We have here Graham Wallace from Continued Sound, and he released just a couple of weeks ago a fantastic compilation, which I can't praise enough. It's the soul of New Jersey. So, Graham, thanks for joining, and um, I think before we get into the record, may you introduce yourself for those who don't know you yet. All right. Um, yeah, my name is Graham Wallace. Um, I'm originally from New Jersey, surprisingly enough. And yeah, I'm a, just a record collector, DJ. And um, over the past year, I've been um, starting up my record label called Continued Sound. And yeah, it's just been a, it's been a whirlwind, but happy to have my first release out into the world. So how can I imagine this? So you have your your DJing, you know all the cool singles from back in the day. My my personal favorite is Storm. Oh, yeah. They only release one single. So you have these singles and then you come up, well, it would be great if other people could have this as a compilation because some of these singles are very rare. So how how did this happen, this whole project? I think it was born out of my just inherent, and I'm sure you share this uh, desire to find new music and just sort of mm -hmm. digging in the crates, as they say. And um, when it came time to, I knew I wanted to start a reissue label. And when it came time to to put out something, I, I didn't know where to begin. And I thought, why not begin in my home, my home state where I'm from? And the fact that there isn't a lot of um, attention paid to New Jersey as much because we're so close to New York, so many bands just get associated with New York and New Jersey just has so many um, acts and musicians, Whitney Houston, Cool in the Gang, um, just so much soul that comes out of New Jersey specifically that I wanted to shine a light on that. And, you know, coming from a just an individual trying to start their own record company with little to no money, I had to really find some rare stuff to see what I could afford licensing wise. And it started with, you know, going on the internet and going through my own collection because I had a few of these singles, but just trying to get a collection of rare New Jersey stuff that had not been released widely. And, you know, like you said, groups like Storm or Pride just have little to no releases beyond just a 45 or something. So that was a felt like that was a good place to start. And then it and then it just became investigative journalism or something to tra track down guys like Paul Kaiser and George Kerr. And I was aware of them, but to get a hold of them was a whole nother story. And, you know, that was the past year was just a very fun, you know, I felt like uh, I was doing a documentary or doing a, a journalism piece to try to get these people and make relationships and go on from there. So I was so happy that I got to pay homage to my, to my home state. So that that's great. So so you you had now a selection for the compilation, and then well, I don't think that there were master tapes available. So I think you made needle drops. Yeah, I, I collected all of the the vinyls um, from different ways, discogs and things like that. And then I oh, this is a great story. I so I had the vinyls. I knew I had to make vinyl transfers, but a lot of the 
vinyls that I had were not of good quality. Some of them were pretty poppy and scratchy. I tried to get the best ones I could, but some are just so old. And I asked the internet, I went on Instagram and said, does anybody know any mastering people that can, um, can help me with this? Not just transfer the vinyls, but clean them up and make them sound the best quality. And I get a recommendation. Someone in Los Angeles, where I actually live, gave me a recommendation to a man named Alan Dochis, who lives on the east coast of the United States, close to New Jersey, but in the New York, upstate New York region. And so I reach out to him and I tell him about the project. And he said, you've got to be kidding me. I worked with Paul Kaiser when I was very young, when he was around like the man's probably in his 50s or 60s, when he was 19, 20, he worked under Paul Kaiser for like some sessions as an engineer. So it was just like the, the, the planets aligning in such a way. And he was so helpful and just his spirit was behind the project. So it was such an amazing, and I got to, they hadn't spoken in 40 years or something. So I put them in contact and Paul Kaiser was so thrilled because he remembered him and it was amazing. So the things were cleaned up. How do you do that with the licensing? And I think some artists want money or royalties. How has this been done? How can I imagine this? It was pretty easy once I, again, I, I had the the gift of ignorance. I had no idea how it worked. So I was just asking questions and, you know, talking to, once I got the phone numbers of Paul and George, just talking to them, asking them how it works. And, you know, through these conversations, I finally um, learned that with these particular songs, George and Paul had control over them. So I think stage one is to find out who is the, the end person when it comes to control is the key word, I think. And when I found out, because some of the songs, I, I had selected other songs that Paul or George couldn't speak to who actually owns the copyright or the phonographic copyright. And so once I figured out that Paul owned the collection that Paul had and George owned the collection that George had, it just came down to working with one person and exchanging, you know, paying for licensing fees just through one person and i think moving forward it might be more complicated than that you sometimes have to work with a, a record label and then the artist and just it's a when you're reissuing it can trust is so important because they're they are very understandably cautious about what you intend to do with their music if you're going to rip them off or whatever so it was i think being so um naive was a blessing because i was just able to be a person and say, look, I want to work with you. I want, I want a deal that you love and you feel great about and a way for me to make money just to support this and for it to pay for itself. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to make any money on this and I just want to strike a deal. So it was really nice to be able to be so be able to learn from them and be able to work out a deal that was beneficial for both of us. Oh, that's so fascinating. And I think it's it's with, with artists working, they, they've been think I think from, from the interviews I did with the past with certain artists, they've been screwed up a lot in the past. So they are very, very careful about anything. And also if you if some artist died and you have the family estate, I think yeah. then it also can get very complicated in these cases. Yeah, I really think transparency is your best friend when you're going into something like this. You just 
you know, if your heart is pure and you don't and you don't want to hurt them or, or take advantage of them, you just show them exactly what you stand to make on a project. Once they realize that, you know, there isn't great fortunes to be made and you put that language in some sort of contract, they I think they it disarms them a little bit and they realize this is a, a work of passion. This this is born out of the love of the music and all the goal I would ever have is to make this music more widely available and be able to make enough money to cover the expenses to do it in the begin to begin with. Because from what I learned very, very early on is that no one, no one in this reissue business is making millions of dollars. It's not about that. No, absolutely not. Because you have the cost, you have the cost for the printing, you have to do the design, you have to do uh, a liner notes, you have to make sure that the guy who's doing the remastering has been paid, you have to pay the licensing, you have to pay the pressing plant, mm -hmm. distribution, and just to begin with, you know, uh, sometimes the photos you're using on the cover needs to be licensed and everything. So yeah. this is m more or less a labor of love. Absolutely. And, and what I do professionally is I'm a graphic designer. So it's, it's a, I get to, I get to do those things. I get to, you know, live out my fantasy as someone who gets to, you know, make album covers for my heroes. And I don't have, you know, and I do get to, I don't have to pay someone to do that. I get to do that. And it's a, it's a thrill for me. Yeah. Because what I thought was so cool with this uh, record is that you can choose the cover. Mm -hmm. Which one you prefer? I like the the idea, and when I got the record, I was like, "Where does it open? Where does <laughs> ah? It's a top loader, and that's perfect. If you have it in a case or you're on a DJ gig or anything, you have the top loader and you have a very have better access to it." Yeah, I wanted them. I you know I I didn't know who to. I wanted them to share the 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 album in its entirety. I didn't want there to be a distinctive front or back because they both yeah. deserve to be on the cover of this. So and then. I just love, you know, I sort of stole the design of like what you would see on a cassette where the where the track listing is on the side. Yeah. And yeah. I love that too, because you can pull it out and know exactly, you don't have to pull the actual record out. You can see where, what track to go to just from the cover. And as a DJ, it's so helpful. And I absolutely adore your selection. And for those who want to have a listen to the record, you can go on, on the website from Continued Sound there. You can listen to the tracks. You can also listen to it on Spotify to get a glimpse. But it's uh, nothing is better than holding the actual record in your hands. And my absolute highlight on this record, and there are many highlights, is Storm, She Comes Up. I'm yeah. so in love with this track and I looked the group up because I haven't heard of them before and they only made, if I'm not mistaken, just one single. I think so, yeah. And I couldn't believe that they sounded so good and so great and I thought they must have recorded more and there's just this one single. I wish I would have known what happened to these guys. They were tremendously great. I'm sure Paul knows something. I bet, you know, I'm sure if I asked him, he didn't... I, he told me with like with a lot of I think Pride is another one where they they disbanded and found a work in other ways like you know mm -hmm. um, New Sound Express became Rise and they just can find different avenues. So I'm sure Storm was just an amalgamation of of great players. But you're right. It's there's such it felt like such a such a tight group that you it sounds like they've just been working together for so long and. It's just so established. It's it's wild that exactly, yeah, exactly. They didn't sound like they just started uh, singing together. And also, I think this is an all-time classic. Soul walking. Oh yeah, 
this is an all-time classic. And what I loved so much is that you put actually two tracks from the escorts on it. And I thought when I first heard the record on, on Spotify, that was before I got the record, I was like, why didn't he take Look Over Your Shoulder? And then I saw, oh, it's the last song on the album. I was so happy because that's my absolute favorite track from this whole album from the Escorts. Oh yeah. And what I found very interesting is um, I'm showing the, the people who will watch this next to the record, you also get this absolutely stunningly beautiful booklet, which is yeah. also very well been printed. Once again, I love the artwork. <laughs> you did a fantastic job. Thank and you. on the back we get some album covers and also some some singles and here i think there's a storm where we yeah. have that from UK records and the the escorts when they released that album they had kind of little biography snippets at uh, in front of each track you you didn't use that why did you didn't you use that i found that i wanted to firstly i think i wanted to jump right into the the music okay. as being like the first and the fact that when you listen to the album it's sort of there's a totality that those interviews sort of make up and that's your experience with that album. Yeah. But I worried that if it was, also it's recorded very differently. It's very scratchy and very, my the engineer that worked on the album was like, these are impossible. So he, the music was much easier to to clean up yeah. than those interviews, but I have big plans for the, for the escorts. I, and George, I wanna do, I want to release their Entire, entire catalog. They have the two albums, wow. and yeah. I hope. So when I do that, I want to. I almost wanted to tease the escorts. I wanted to have enough so you could hear how great they were, and then I hope to to follow up with more escort stuff. And maybe I'll I'll have those interviews, and maybe on a different track so you can quickly access. Because as a DJ, you just want to get straight to the music. But those interviews are so special and unique. Absolutely, because they tell the story, actually. And I, it was so fascinating. And maybe you can put together these spoken parts together into one track as a bonus track at the end. So you have the whole story, something yeah. like this. And that that was stunningly beautiful. And I looked up because George Kerr, do I spell him correct? Kerr? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was also big at all platinum. Oh, yeah. And there's a book which came out just also a couple of weeks ago by Steve Guranori. And oh, I've never I, seen this. Yes, this came came out just, uh, and it, it has like all the wow. singers and everything. And I found, I'm doing an interview with him in a couple of weeks. So oh, wow. I need to. <laughs> if you have questions, right. just let me know. I'll forward him. Mm -hmm. And the first entry I found from Mr. Kerr was at page 340. Let me see. Um, where you have uh, Backlash, and mm. that's the producer was George Karen, was released in 1970, and you all get the uh, the singles and the pictures and everything to this. Oh this is very, very exciting. So I, I looked him up and I said, wow, this is so great news to have this connection. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's got to be, I know he's in his 90s, but I'm not sure yeah. how old, how, just how old, but he's, you know, he's the most, when you talk to him on the phone, he's just the most excited, upbeat sort of guy. He lives in New Jersey. When I had a, uh, a release party for the record in New Jersey and he was like, I'll be there. And he was, I, he eventually, he had a prior commitment, but he was excited and he's, he's a great guy to know. He's, yeah, his story just goes back. He replaced little Anthony and little Anthony and the Imperials. He's just got, 
stories for days, just letting that guy go and tell you stories of his experience in the music business is just endlessly fascinating. And he's just got a, a library of music under his belt. And, you know, the samples from hip hop, he's, he credits himself as being the most sampled uh, musician in, in hip hop. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case or not, but he's got some classics that, that he produced. And I think he has, he has a comfortable living from the hip hop samples alone. Yeah, but thankfully he is getting the money from this. Very often you have like being sampled and not getting anything. I know. I think a lot of, you know, it was the sampling phenomenon. It had to be sort of figured out on its own in order Mm -hmm. for people to get paid. And the people that when hip hop started and through the nineties and even the two thousands, the sampling, the sampling game was not looking after their, their origin originators. But, and a lot of times I think, you know, George has had to sue in order to get his, his royalties. But these days I think things have started. I hopefully think things are starting to, with things like TuneCore and you just enter in the, the, the people you sampled and the avenues to get them paid are so much easier that, you know, it's hopefully everything just works itself out. I don't think there was ever any, you know, malice with a young producer in hip hop trying to use these tracks. I'm sure they would happily if they could afford to and work with the label to get them paid, but hopefully it's starting to become more streamlined and, and work itself out. Yeah, I did ask Della Soul about this. They couldn't reissue their albums because of the heavy sampling they did. Oh yeah. For a long time. yeah. <laughs> and the tracks were great, I love them. I know, there's crazy stories like, you know, uh, Lou Reed owns all of the Can I Kick It song from Tribe Called Quest. It's just, when you're young and naive, you're just like, this sounds great, and you don't realize, but you, it's great we all still got to hear it. He didn't kill it, it's just they didn't get to make any money off of it. Exactly. What is, do you have a favorite track from the album? Is there one which is very meaningful to you? I really love Pride and they're on the, on the, it's it, the longer version was Pride of the Ghetto, but they shortened the, the band name to Pride for the, uh, for the 45s. But I love the Latin influence that it has. Mm-hmm. And I think they also only have four songs total to in their entire library, but I just love the, I feel like, um, what I've been listening to so much is with Latin sort of soul and Brazilian stuff. And it just feels so fresh. I feel like this, there's, it's just got a, a quality to it. That, um, and the fact that it came out of New Jersey and it's, it's another, another facet of the sort of New Jersey diaspora of there's, there's Latin people, there's black people, there's white, it's just so much, it's such a melting pot. And I just love that it, that it sort of reflects that. So that's, that's a favorite of mine. And it's, it's, it's dancey as hell. Absolutely. <laughs> but wouldn't it be great if you could have access to the original master tapes or if, if uh, Paul or George having some outtakes or tracks they never released? Wouldn't that be great? That would be great. I, I'm, I wonder if they have any lying around. I mean, I think over the years, things just really, you don't know to, to preserve them and then mm. I don't know, I'm sure does all platinum book talk about the fire that happened and destroyed a lot of um, the Sugar Hill Library in New Jersey. And so things like that can happen. And yeah, it'd be great. I love I would love to work with um, master tapes at some point. That would be incredible. But it's also so great to have like as a DJ and a vinyl lover, you if the only um, 
access you have to a certain record is like the scratchy poppy that stuff's great but to hear it cleaned up for the first time is also a great gift that i feel honored to have been able to do you know what would, would have been great for the website to have a before and after oh that's true that would be great to see how much you could improve the sound of it because when i've heard it i knew instantly okay this must be a needle drop Mm -hmm. But I, I also ha I'm not the biggest 45 fan because I'm lazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, when I put on a record, like, oh no, two, th two minutes, th 30 seconds, oh, I need to turn around. So for me, this compilation is perfect. Yeah. You know, um, so I know how they can sound. And I think it would be great to have them before and after to see the results. That would be great. That's interesting. Yeah, I have them. I have the, I can, I could definitely show those to folks to see just. Yeah, what? How how great a job that Alan Dochus did too, with with taking out the pops and the and the hisses and things like that. So, is this? I think when I understood it correctly, this is limited to five hundred, right? It's a thousand. It's a thousand. So it's yeah. a limited to a thousand. So if people uh, want to have it, they can still get it. Or are you at a point where you say you should order soon? I would encourage to order soon to make sure you have it. Um, you know, I have distribution, but those, you know, that goes out to record stores all over, but I'm not sure where, <laughs> where exactly. I know that's, it's worldwide, but um, if you don't see it in your local record shop, you can just go to continuedsound.com and, and pick one up there. Every store, I went to New Jersey um, last month and, and visited record shops and I'd probably give five to each record stop. And I was in New Jersey for a week and by the end of the week, most of the record stores have sold out of the record. So I had to bring them more. So it's, it's, I'm so thrilled that it's so popular. And yeah, if anyone wants to pick one up, they should, they should act now. <laughs> Buy now or cry later. Yeah. So will, will there be a volume two? Because it clearly says volume one. I definitely wanted to do, you know, to say volume one and promise volume two, volume three. I wanted to establish the soul of New Jersey has a series because there's so much there's, there's new artists to work with. There's new decades to work with. Paul especially has done some great stuff in the eighties and mm -hmm. early eighties, which is a great sort of a great time. And there's just so many people that to work with that it's, I really want to have this be a volume of, of work that we can, you know, attribute to New Jersey because there's, it's an, I want to keep more and more established the, the the soul of New Jersey as a as an entity in the in the global consciousness. Yeah, because there is the the soul of Chicago, there is a Memphis soul, there is New York's soul. Mm -hmm. So every kind of state has its own soul. You know, especially with Memphis, you have Stacks, you had Vault as a sub label, and there are so many great labels in Chicago. There was Chess, I think. The Chess label mm -hmm. was was pretty big and I love the chess label. I'm so, do you know the record from Joe and Garrett? I don't think so. That's, a, oh, it's a beautiful record. You should check that, I'll send you a link. You should, I, yeah. this is a mind blowing record. She only did one album and then a couple mm -hmm. of singles and she, then she disappeared. Oh, wow. And was nowhere to be found. And people, um, there's a, a label, I think the Numero Group. Yeah. It's a label which does, and they tracked down a track which wasn't released 
and they put it on a compilation and they were trying to find her because there was money uh, she earned but they couldn't they couldn't find it you should check out joanne garrett this is tremendously great so and every state has its own style and therefore i think it's so great that you put out this compilation that people really get into it and especially lazy people like me who don't have to um change that all the time and i was surprised um i, I checked out the storm single and it's it's not super expensive yeah i think it's so it's so some some releases are so rare they don't even have you know, the price hasn't even been jacked up. So if they're, exactly. they're just, they're probably, I should ask, I wonder if there, if, if any uh, data is on the disc to just show how many were released to begin with, because it's undoubtedly a rare release, but it's so much it's so. under the radar. Damn it, I should have bought them before we did the interview. Yeah. <laughs> It's that's that's so great. I, I I love it when you uh, experience new songs and all get to this. And um, what are your favorite tracks at the moment to play on a DJ set? Oh, let's see. I mean, we were before we here. I'll just go grab it before we started recording. I had. I love I'll this one. I'll happily plug. I love uh, this one. Lim Taylor record that was reissued by Inner Inner Groove Records, which is another New Jersey based. It's a record store, and also I think they're just like me. They've just gotten into the reissue game, and they've I don't know how they I don't know how they came into contact with with the previous record label, but this one is um, 500. I have and it's numbered. I have number 22 of 500, and it's just incredible. He's got a voice like like King Curtis or something. And it's very, very smooth and, but it's got very like sort of hip hop break beats and, and just funky, funky stuff. And yeah, this is, and it's as a DJ, there's nothing, there's no better treat than having something that people haven't heard and people don't have. So like the rarity factor and how, just how good it is, is really exciting. And for those who, who will be watching and thinking, oh, I want to have an original, well, the original is, uh, if you find it, up to $500. <laughs> yeah. If so, you find it. Yeah, if you find it and who knows what condition it would be in. So. Exactly. Yeah, that's the beauty of the reissues. So back in the days, I wasn't a big fan of needle drops. But there was, um, from Coal Mine Record, a reissue of the album from Barbara Harwood on the rise. I don't know mm. if you know this. And I've heard the reissue and I was stunned about the quality. I consider myself very lucky. I have an original mm. and I have the uh, the reissue and I was listening to the reissue and the original and I thought, wow, they, the reissue, the needle drop sounds better than the original one. So for everybody who's saying, oh, I have problems with needle drops, sometimes you don't have any other chance to get the music because the master tapes are lost or they're burned or whatever kind of reason. So you should absolutely give needle drops a chance if there's no other possibility. Yeah, I think I always return to, you know, the love of the music and there are, there are always something you might prefer or something that is that might have a little more authenticity. But if, if I feel like what we all can agree on is if a song, the way the song makes us feel or the way the music makes us feel, however we're receiving it, just is sort of hard to, hard to top. And if you can, and sharing music being a passion for so many people, I, it's, 
nothing sort of trumps that. And, you know, we can want, we can want better quality. Sometimes I'll, I'll always pick up records or reissues that I was like, this is not great, but I had never heard this before. And if this is, if this is all I get for the first time hearing this, you know, it's worth it. And yeah, it's, you know, master tapes are the, the, the grail, the golden, you know, standard for what you're trying to, to produce. But if your if your passion is sharing the music, you'll do it in any any way you can. Absolutely, and I'm so thankful for compilation albums like yours because I learn about groups which, like like with Storm, just made one track. I would have never heard of them uh, if it wasn't for your compilation. Oh, I'm so honored. You're a uh, you're really there's, there was some track It's, it's got to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, by the time I get to Phoenix. I thought, okay, let's give it a try. But they also did a very nice version of this. It's hard to beat Isaac Hayes mm -hmm. <laughs> on this one. But um, I also love Nancy Williams' version on this. Marvin Gaye did a, a little version. But this is really, uh, the, the escorts were tremendously, tremendously good group. Can you tell us a little background on the group? Yeah, so the first thing that blows everyone away is that they were all incarcerated in... Uh, They were all prisoners in a in Rahway State Penitentiary, which is a, a prison in New Jersey. There they are behind bars in this, this ridiculous photo. But um, George Kerr found them at a prison talent show and decided, you know, he was decided to pursue them and do whatever he had to do to to come into contact with them. It's not like anyone can't just walk into a prison and decide to cut an album with a bunch of prisoners. It's, it, he said it took months and years and due to that determination, he must have seen something in them that he knew was special. And he recorded two albums with them. And then a few of them would get released and he would work with them. And it's, it, the gift of it is it sort of set them up for, for music success when they got out. And the, you can even find escort stuff, I think in the eighties that, so the fact that it gave music careers to some of these these former inmates is a gift, but it's such a unique, it's deserving of a documentary really, because it's, it's, I don't know if it had ever been done before at that point. No, I, I don't think or so. Sense. And for me, for me the, the, the having these snippets of this interview where I think it was done on a cassette recorder, on, a, on some low quality thing yeah. to have the backstory before each track, that was such a great idea that you as a listener get the whole picture uh, out of it. And I was like, what happened with this group? So what happened afterwards? But it's great to hear that they had a chance to, to become um, successful musicians. Yeah, he put them in a position to... to make a name for themselves. And I don't know what happened to all of them, but it was, it was, I think a few of them are still alive and, and we have these, and it's going back to the music again. It's, it's such an honor to be able to like show someone the escorts if they haven't heard of them or just show someone and give it to a wider audience. Again, like escorts albums on, on discogs or something aren't super, super expensive, but, um, Again, it's just that's how under the radar, and I think with a story like that, and a, and a, and a listening experience like that, having that in any record store, knowing if you can read about it and just having holding it, that's I would buy that like immediately. It's just it's how, to, it's how to tell these stories and retell these stories and, and share them with new generations. 
And what really knocked me off my feet, I have seen this cover before, but I thought this was so stunning, was the Soul Generation, the cover when they were on the building, that's like yeah. a piece of art. I know, it's, it's so cool. cool. That's so great. And also this one isn't a super expensive record and it sounds so great. There was, it was amazing what these guys did back in the day. So there was no auto-tune or anything. You really had to sing you, yeah. and, and being in harmony and all of this. And I think this isn't really, in, in some cases, not really appreciated how much talent you needed to have to sound good. And there was no like, uh, um, okay, we, we tweak a little round on this with the computer. Then, then they had to redo the take till it was perfect, till everybody was right on spot. I know, especially the the less money you had to make your record, the more perfect you had to be. You couldn't afford another day of studio time or more tape to record on. You had to be clean and, and sort of perfect on those days. It's It's a level of perfectionism that I can only imagine we just is lost to this generation because they don't, it doesn't call for it anymore, which is fortunate and then helps a producer, but it just speaks to, yeah, when you know the backstory and, and just how much it takes to, to get a clean take with the whole group and have your voice sound perfect and all that stuff, you just makes you appreciate it that much more the music. I love the fact that you put Tammy Terrell with him on the picture. Oh, it's Florence Ballard. Florence Ballard, yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> oh, I know. That's such a great picture. Do, do you have, what I would also su suggest is that you put the pictures how they were. I think they were black and white pictures. Yeah. So I love yeah. Florence, I love Florence. So this is just, I, I can't recommend this enough. And also if you're in a record store and uh, you don't have Spotify or anything, you just scan up the QR code and you get right on the website where you can also listen to these tracks. So you did so well with this, Graham. Well, thank you so much. And, and also what I want to point out, because I'm, I'm very critical and I was so satisfied that this is a 180 gram vinyl. So uh, why did you decide to do it on a 180 gram instead of 120 gram? I believe it was solely because um, it's coming from a DJ standpoint and I play records sort of, you know, I have a, you know, I travel around with my records and I, I play them out in, in bars and restaurants and stuff. And I just, I got the chance as a DJ to make my perfect experience with a record and, you know, having so much um, experience handling different types of records, how they've let me down and how the, and nothing really beats the 180 gram. It's sturdy and it's, it's just, you know, less likely to to crack or warp. And just, these are just issues you, and another way to give it sustainability over time is that it just hopefully won't, you know, be as subject to sort of damage the same reason. And also I, the top loader, I'd love just pulling it out of a, of a carrying case and being able to take it and put it on everything. It was a dream to be able to do, like create my ideal record that I wanted to work with and spin. Do you know why I got confused with Florence and Tammy? Because I have Tammy in the background. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Tammy on the brain. Tammy, Tammy on the brain. So sad that she, she died in 1970. She was so good. She was so special. Do you have a holy grail record or single in your collection? Not because, maybe because it's super rare or because it means a lot to you? Is there one particular? 
Oh, I'm sure I do. Let me see. Um, hmm. Let me pull. Let's see what I can pull out. Hold on. <laughs> Not sure. Okay, I've got a few. Okay. This. Did you find? This did you find the, yours? Yeah. This oh. is a Joe and Garrett. Wow. Just a taste. If you on chess, if if you have the chance to check her out, you I promise you you won't be disappointed. And um this is the, the Barbara Haywood. Oh sure, yeah. yeah. This is the original one. I looked for it for 20 years. Oh wow. <laughs> and so but please go ahead, show me your grails. Okay. Just for are you a fan of library music, Nadine? Absolutely. So this one is one of my favorites. It's called Clouds, and it's a it's a later KPM release, and it's by Graham DeWild. So I already loved it because we have the same name. But it's just got, you know, with a cover like that, you're like, what is on this? And I mean, and I love that later, you know, KPM albums are normally just that green solid green color, and you don't know what's on it. But later on in the, let's see when this got released. I think the early '80s. They got cool covers like this, and yeah, it's a library record about clouds with 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 tracks like Cumulus and Cirrus, and and it's funky and like I would not know how to give a soundtrack to clouds, but I probably wouldn't have gone with like dance floor quality funk and synth and stuff, but but I'm so happy they did, and so that one's a a real favorite of mine. Another one pertaining to New Jersey is this P-Vine um, Japanese release that's so, Sylvia and George, King and Queen of Sweet New Jersey. And we don't have stuff like this in New Jersey or in the United States for that matter. So the fact that Japan is was putting out these, these New Jersey tribute albums celebrating George and celebrating Sylvia, which is, you know, two icons of New Jersey soul, it's so, so cool and it has just some classics from both of them but even uh even a uh, song just as long with tracy kerr george's daughter okay so yeah those are some special ones yeah p vine did some great reissues they they did some great reissues i know they're fantastic and it's it's so interesting to explain to people who might not be who might not know the sort of this world that we live in that, you know, there's, there's interest in soul music, sort of greater interest in soul music in other parts of the world than even, you know, the United States that, that Japan would put out a, a New Jersey release is like, most people do not comprehend that, that there's such an appreciation for these people's music outside of where they live, outside of their communities, even outside of their country. Yeah, absolutely. And library records are getting the are the hot shit now because some <laughs> of them are really skyrocketing in price. Oh yeah. And I've heard some, and they were so great, but I, these were a couple of hundred dollars. Mm hmm. And I was like, oh, <laughs> they were great. They are absolutely great. I know, and I don't mind. That's where the reissue fan in me comes out because if I can hear it and it will cost me $30 as opposed to $130. And I think um, Be With 
the album, the the label Be With Records has a has a exclusive deal with KPM, so they're just putting out all the great the greatest KPM stuff. Um, it's just you feel lucky to to listen to it in the first place, and it's such fantastic stuff that again under the radar. I mean, it becomes it's on the radar with the right crowds, but you know, if I walked out of my front door and asked my neighbor if he heard a library music, he's like, what are you talking about? So <laughs> it's still pretty. Somebody reading a book? What do you mean with library music? Yeah, what What are the, those two words together? What are you talking about? Awesome. Yeah. Graham, you know what I would love to do with you? A live stream where you present like 10 or 20 records and you make some recommendations. That would be so awesome. I'd love that. What an honor. Perfect. We will do this because I love the selection of music. All right, yeah, I got some more. I got. I just love any excuse to get into my stack of records and and play around. Yeah, I'm 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 so I'm so I'm so thankful that you did it. Like like you said, I'm so falling in love with some of these tracks, and I will look up if I can find the singles. Like I said, some of them aren't really expensive. Mm -hmm. And it's so great to have the thing. You know, I have my problems with this Cox because VG Plus uh, from for some people is a different VG Plus than mine kind of standard. But yeah, um, yeah that's that's so great to to have found this. Graham, thank you so much for your time. Like thank I said you. in the beginning, continued sound. I put the link for the record down in the description. You can hear all the tracks and hopefully Graham will do a before and after so you can hear the difference because I'm pretty sure the difference will be huge. Yeah. And yeah. it's limited to 1000 and I've heard it and I loved it and I promise you, you won't be disappointed with this. And Graham, I can't wait for volume two. All right. I can't wait to bring it to you and thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for your time. We do hope that you enjoyed our latest interview and stay tuned for other exciting episodes here on the Vinyl Community Podcast.